Welcome to Movie Ministry. Each week we talk pop culture entertainment and how it relates to the teachings of Jesus. Whether movies, TV, or streaming, we talk about it. My name is Ars Buckner. I'm a Christian husband, father, pastor, designer, and nerd. And the uh, topic for the day is what The Last Jedi teaches us about overcoming our past. And this is not a traditional movie review uh, from the jump. I just want to let you know that, that this is um, more of a kind of a Christian entertainment review podcast. You know, I'm a, pa- a pastor in Philadelphia and, uh, you know, uh, where my family lives, uh, I'm married um, with uh, two kiddos, uh, two boys, and uh, yeah, man, we love life and ministry and everything in between. Originally from L.A., born and raised in uh, L.A., and uh, went to school out in Orange County. I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but anyways, if you want to know, that's what that's what the deal is. Um, but the podcast is, is going to be more of a kind of Christian entertainment um, review kind of podcast, and, and even in the elements of review will be a little different. Uh, we're not going to cover the major like cinematic elements of a film in detail. We'll cover some of them, but but not like all of them in detail, like plot points and character development, film film structure, visuals, dialogue, all those things. Um, but uh, we will take a deep dive in character motivation, moral themes, and how they relate to uh, the Bible. And, and that is by design. Uh, I don't want to add another uh, movie review or entertainment review um, podcasts out there. There's a million of them. You can go and pick um, from the the hordes of uh, podcasts out there. Uh, so I don't I don't want it to be another one added to that. I do want to do something different that uh, we can take what we find in the movies and and really uh, um, put them uh, and match them with the teachings of Jesus. And to me, that's unique. Uh, and maybe there's maybe there's a bunch of podcasts out there like that. I don't know of them, so if you do, please send them my way. Um, but I feel like this is an opportunity for those who are Christian uh, to deepen their faith and to find some cool nuggets and connection to the Bible. Uh, but also for those who are not Christian, I thought, man, this would be a, a cool way uh, as an entrance in understanding uh, what Christianity is, uh, specifically through uh, the teachings of Jesus. Like, I would love, uh, as I'm, you know, I'm always... Um, a person who is out studying and learning, and I'm constantly in a mode of learning. Man, that is that is something that that um, I'm always pushing myself to do, no matter what it is. And I'll read anything and everything just to understand and learn where people are coming from. I think that makes me a better pastor and helping uh, other people. And so I would love that if there's a different religion, like say Islam, who you know broke down Islam through Disney movies, right? Um, that'd be fantastic because the, I think the common ground or the, at least the common language that we can all work from is entertainment. And, and because that's, that is that, I don't know, it's not a universal language, but a lot of the, um, you know, uh, IP out there, uh, intellectual properties out there, we all can draw from. And, you know, Harry Potter fans come in all shapes and sizes and all different types of backgrounds and philosophies. Same way as Star Wars fans, the same way as any other part of geek culture, or even outside of geek culture, some of the, the most popular uh, movies and TV that we know out there, like a Stranger Things or uh, Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. Like, we, we all know those characters. We all can relate 
relate to those characters and, and relate to the themes in those movies or, or streaming shows. And because of that, there's common ground. And I think that's where I like to live in is to take that common ground. And the same way Jesus did back in his day, i.e. he called them or people called them parables, and that he would tell these different uh, scripted stories with um, that had uh, very overarching themes, um, and it was able to bring people in, whether you were a farmer or a prostitute or a tax collector or a Pharisee or whatever. Um, you were able to to find yourself in these characters, and and some audiences quickly found themselves in, in those stories and found out, oh, you know what, Jesus is throwing shade my way um, and get angry. Uh, but others found themselves in those stories and helped connect to what God's feeling was t- towards humanity. That was long-winded. Just to say, this ain't your average movie review podcast. It has definitely a Christian tint and filter to it. And I just want to let you know that from the jump. So there's no um, mystery in what I'm doing and what I am teaching. So uh, the format of this uh, movie podcast is... um, I don't say so much different. A lot of these I've taken from other podcasts that I love, whether movie reviews or sports podcast or whatever, um, TED Talks, whatever. Uh, so we're going to break these in in different segments uh, to, to talk about the movie. And the uh, first segment is first impressions, which I like to call first impressions. What is what did I like about the film or what did I think about the film? That's where it'd be kind of be traditional. We'll talk through a couple of things, but not, not as much. Uh, next is the forbidden fruit, right? The forbidden fruit is Genesis, uh, I believe, chapter 3. Um, I should put that in my notes. Uh, but Genesis chapter 3, where the forbidden fruit symbolizes the temptations and struggle of humanity. And in that story is the, is the old adage and fable of Adam and Eve. And you had um, the, uh, the tree that God told um, Adam and Eve to stay away from. That's a tree of, of good and evil. And to you have your your pick of the litter of everything else in the garden except for that tree. And what do you know? That tree becomes the biggest uh, you know struggle uh, in their existence. Their their short existence. And so we thus we get the story of of eating the fruit and being well being um, tricked by the serpent and then eating the fruit. And then voila, uh, they are out of the story and it, and it really pushes forward uh, God's plan of redemption since then. And so this point of the podcast, when we talk about forbidden fruit, we'll talk about what is that struggle? Because I feel like there's so many of, of situations in our lives that are the forbidden fruit. And we'll talk about um, some of those and, and those, those kind of moral struggles that we have that could be, um, again, coming from a, a Christian backdrop, uh, things that, that God has outlaid that, that are not good for us, uh, for us personally and in our relationship with Him. And so we'll talk about that human struggle because every movie, every story, every TV show, book, game, whatever, every story has that particular struggle, has that temptation that someone is pulled into, right? Um, when you're talking about Star Wars, it is the dark side, especially, uh, you know, you had that in a trilogy uh, with Luke, but you definitely had that, I mean, displayed all over the um, the new trilogy with, um, you know, Kylo Ren and Rey and that, that pull, uh, push and pull of it. And, and so actually we'll talk a little bit about that because it's The Last Jedi, right? Right? So enough on that section. The next section is is kind of the the 
the money shot, if I will, where where this will be the most Christian of the podcast is uh, we like to call the the come to Jesus moment. You know, what does this teach us about Jesus? What do we learn um, about Jesus? Like I said, um, Jesus used parables to really unlock um, deeper truths or enlighten uh, or bring to light uh, truths about God. And I believe everything in entertainment that we consume and view, especially from a script uh, point of view, whether it's gaming, whether it's TV, whether it's movies, um, in my opinion, are our modern day parables. And we can take so much from those because of that. So uh, in this section, when we talk about and breaking down the film or or breaking down whatever the entertainment or media is, um, we're going to have this this come to Jesus moment, you know, whether I'm sitting there, I'm watching this show and I'm like, you know what, man, that reminds me of this teaching here and we'll we'll unpack that and what that means. And we got a good one um, in this episode, uh, the first episode. And um, and then finally is personal revelation. What does this teach me about myself, right? Self-reflection and all these uh, stories that we, we, we watch, the reason that keeps us coming back is this idea of, of, this personal revelation that we feel in ourselves, whether we're tracking a character and, and that character reminds us of our upbringing. It reminds us exactly what we struggled with at that point in time or that age or that particular situation. Um, man, we can relate to them. And in so doing, it, the way the character gets out of those situations and, and have success or gets stuck in the situation and completely goes off the rails, it teaches us where we are able to live vicariously through these characters and experience life. And, and almost in a sense, like a game, we can play out these moral decisions and, and, and learn from how they get to success or failure and then apply that to our own lives. Now, we may not directly do that, but but when I watch a film, there's a reason why certain films will cause me to cry. To cry. I remember seeing Finding Neverland and relating to um, young Peter in the the movie to my own upbringing, and and I and I cried. And there's a reason why I was able to in that moment empathize with that character, and it and it helped me. And then his discovery and and moving from that stage also brought healing to me in some weird way, right? Um, but but stories of done that to us for for eons like like this is nothing new now in today uh today's time we have so much money and and to put behind these stories to make them more uh to come to life but at the end of the day they're stories they're they're glorified fireside stories that we can throw a bunch of money at and so but I love them. I'm not, I'm not criticizing for it. So again, the last section is we're going to talk about personal revelation. What did it teach me about myself? Now, all this, I hope it helps you, um, and I hope you get deeper um, understanding about the human struggle, about what you thought about the film, uh, and how I thought about the film, what Jesus' teachings, what does Jesus have to say that, that goes along with what we're seeing or what we're experiencing in, the, in this media as well as your own personal revelation. Does it, you know, what I'm learning, does that help you pull some things out where you can reflect back, hey, when I saw that, this is how I felt. I I hope that that's the goal, is that you get deeper in understanding who Jesus is, as well as you get deeper understanding of who you are. And that's what I love about stories, is that we can get all of that uh, and enjoy them at the same time. So, with that being said, let's kick off the podcast here and dive into uh, the movie.
Okay, so first impression. Well, you know, uh, again, we're doing this, it's, I mean, um, at the time of this taping, we're in the year 2020, which sounds very futuristic in me saying that, um, but, but I mean, a lot has happened. We are full-blown in, in the middle, uh, a little bit halfway through the year. It's in um, July of 2020, and we, it's been full-blown pandemic, and, and you know, uh, the year kicked off with Kobe's death, which I thought, like, wow, this is the worst part that can happen in 2020, um, but you know what? Uh, give it some time, and it just, all hell broke loose, and so um, looking at this film back in 2017 is when the date it was released, there's a lot we're going to pull out of it, um, but the, the film was... Uh, Written and directed by Ryan Johnson, who I'm a fan of. Uh, love Looper. Uh, love Brick. That's when I first uh, got introduced to him. It was an indie film that he made. Um, there's a couple of I haven't seen. I think the Brothers Bloom I haven't seen. Um, but I've seen Looper. I've seen Brick, uh, which are which are my favorites. I think he did. Oh, and I've seen Knives Out also. And I love everything that, that, he, that he does. Um, this movie was definitely uh, opened um, to critically acclaim. Uh, and a lot of praise um, among the critics, but among the fans, it was very divisive. And, and you know, some people would say it's split fandom. I, I wouldn't go as far to saying that. I, I would say, man, there's some things in this, in this movie that, that I can understand that, that have, why people would say that. But for me, um, I, just to let you know, I, I say, cite on the, the, the part of, of fandom where I, I really love this movie. I thought it was great. Um, I'm not going to go too much into that. Um, I think, you know, you can find your, your you know, uh, speaking board or your prophet uh, of, of movie thought uh, among uh, fandom who, who hated or loved it or whatever. I'm someone who, uh, when I walked out initially, had mixed emotions. Uh, when I saw it in a the theater, I didn't know how I, I didn't know what I felt about about it, it was kind of weird I, I i'm like man like did i like that did i not like that it it, it really it really challenged me and um but you know however however uh, that night and thinking about it more and then going to see it i think another two or three times in the theater i just come around to say man i, I really love this movie and i thought it was doing some great things to set up what i what I thought would be a great, uh, you know, Star Wars universe, but, you know, we're not going to get into Rise of Skywalker. Um, it seemed like the, the success of Rise of Skywalker is that it, it really angered uh, fans on both sides. So, um, you know, again, that, that's a, a different podcast for a different time. Um, but again, if you want to find some reviews on that, go, go and look that up on whatever uh, podcast uh, platform you're on. I'm sure you can find someone to do that. But uh, so I'm not here to defend the film, uh, not here to um, tell you why you should like it or why you should hate it or any of it or or what's wrong with you. Um, We're going to talk about the biblical connections. That's why hopefully that's why you're here and and that's why you're looking um, to to dive in. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And again, I hope that however you felt about the film, we can set that aside and really talk about the elements of it, because I think we all can agree there's some great stuff that was trying to to happen here um or, or at least we can look at the stories themselves whether you didn't like the execution or not but look at the stories and see where they're going and pull from there and understand some really cool elements that i believe that that mimic and 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 um really follow the the scriptures uh, in a really cool way and we'll get into that so let's talk about the next part what is the uh forbidden fruit processing the past is what i say is the forbidden fruit that is what i say is the theme um, for me when I walked out. 
What was that human struggle? It's processing the past. Um, when when you believe in something at one point, and then later in life uh, takes uh, twists and turns, and you realize that um, maybe it wasn't what you thought it was. It wasn't was it. It wasn't what it was cracked up to be. Uh, whatever phrase you want to use, you were disillusioned because of things that you've come to know now are revelations that you come to know. And, and that's something true in life. I think right now, again, in the midst of uh, the pandemic and, and, and racial tensions and, and, you know, uh, injustice on different forms and, you know, from wherever you are, uh, political, uh, uh, situations in the White House and, 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 and our nation's capital and, and our government, all of it. There's a lot going on right now in our country, uh, and I'm speaking here in America, um, that, that is, that's a people, and really all over the world, but I think America is the hotbed of, for it right now, that I, I, I think we all can agree that we got some things we got to work out, right? No matter what side or, or feelings or wherever you are, I think we all can agree there's some things we need to work on. And so to me, that is that forbidden fruit. How do we process the past? Right now, a lot of people in America are trying to figure out, how do I process the past? Was that all bad, right? Uh, the forefathers or, you know, there, there's this, this whole push and taking down um, different uh, monuments and, and how people f- kind of going back and rewriting history in their own minds and, 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 and changing their perspectives on, on certain um, figures, or historical figures. And, and so where does that end? I mean, again, that's another podcast for another time. But I think, and it has, and I don't think it's unique to 2020. We've always been doing this and it, there's always been certain movements to, to really bring enlightenment um, i.e. the Enlightenment period, <laughs> to bring um, uh, us to, to, to step outside of ourselves and process how we thought about things and, and um, how do we feel about things, now knowing what we know. And again, in 2020, we have definitely been doing that. How do we feel about the American government, knowing now what we know? How do we feel about um, policing um, you know, through, through the, the decades? Um, throughout the century, knowing what we know now, law, um, you know, how, how do we feel about those things? And, and, and again, and, and during the, the Me Too kind of movement, um, when that happened um, a couple years back, that was the same thing. How do we feel about these actors or CEOs or prominent figures in society, or just anybody in society, knowing what we know now and going back? And how do you feel about those movies? Um, like, you know, Kevin Spacey movies, man, that that's definitely has conflicted me. Knowing what we know now. Right. And so and again, I don't think it's something that's new. I think it's something that's always has been a part of us is is processing the past in in a healthy way. And this movie, you had it. So in in the section, we're talking again about the forbidden fruit. What is that human struggle? I think it's processing the past. Um, That is the human struggle. How do I process the past knowing what I know now? And in in The Last Jedi, you had it. It was all over it. And and processing the the past, I believe it was the Jedi Order. and, 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 And you can lump in the force with that you had different people processing it in different ways and we'll kick off with the the character of luke you know played by mark hamill who i just love luke is my favorite 
character in the Star Wars universe, and I just want to go out and say it. But but Luke, we find him in the Last Jedi. He is the pessimist. He is he is the one who his is how he's processed the past. Is that you know what this is. Um, me looking back on everything from from his own mistakes and and the Jedi Order's mistakes, he just he feels like the Jedi Order uh, is an error. Um, it, it's it needs to die, right? In fact, he says that it needs to die. Um, he he and his way of processing it was separating himself. Uh, the way he processes is actually not dealing with it because um, when we find him, he is on Octu and he is he is completely in a depressed state um he is uh we find out that he has messed up his nephew kylo ren uh spoiler alert if you <laughs> if you don't know that by now i feel sorry for your soul um but you know he he, he feels guilty and, and burdened by uh, messing up his relationship with his nephew who looked up to him um and we'll get into that when we talk about kylo um you know, he sees it as his as his fault. Um, that that's in a bigger problem. That is the Jedi Order. Uh, they're hubris to let uh, to not even see uh, the the Sith um, mounting and growing among them. And and in his opinion, um, was the reason and the and the the construction of Darth Vader was the Jedi Order. I mean, he's got a lot of issues. He is a he's a bitter pill uh, at the, in this moment, um, and and here is Ray, uh, the 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 um, you know coming and meeting him, and she is like him, the optimist when he was younger. In his days, um, you know, again, I, I not too long ago saw um, Return of the Jedi, which is my favorite of, of the the original trilogy. Jen, I don't I don't want to I don't want to start any debate. You can I guess you can put it in the the comment section all you want. If the, the, you know. I, I'm just saying I like the Return of Jedi. Um, I agree that that Empire Strikes Back is the better film all the way around. Um, but I'm a Return of Jedi fan. But but in the Return of Jedi, you have this optimism that he has for for Vader and saying you can turn. And in fact, his optimism had turned him. Um, so he was like Ray at one point, but he's not now. Uh, those mistakes over time is like mileage on the soul. His realizations and shame um, has drove him into hiding. Um, and even though that he wants the, the Jedi Order to, to die, it's ironic. He keeps all the materials, right? He keeps all the books, right? He keeps all the commentary uh, about the Jedi Order. Uh, <laughs> he keeps the scriptures uh, of the Jedi Order. He doesn't burn those, right? Uh, he has he has a care for them, right? And in that one scene where he's with Yoda, when Yoda seemingly burns everything, he he has a visceral reaction. He's he's he's, he's he cares for them, right? So so there is this. This part of him that still, I don't know if, it, if it's belief um, or, or just sentimentality, whatever it is, he still uh, wants to hold that uh, within him because he preserves all these ancient texts. Um, he definitely still has a belief in, in the Force, just not how uh, the Jedi taught about it. Um, but again, like you said, he, he wants the Jedi Order to be removed. Um, he, he is um, just... A shell of who he was in the original trilogy, and this uh, response to him was a non-response. Um, he's like, "I'm going to remove myself from the galaxy, and and just entirely, right?" And that's what he does. And and I, right or wrong, um, I think you can understand why he got to that um, thought process. Um, but he's completely cutting off the past. He's not dealing with it. You know, we find him, his X-Wing is, is buried underneath the sea uh, there. 
He doesn't use the force and doesn't know when he last time used the force. And when Ray comes on, we, we, we understand and realize that, you know, when Ray tries to give him his lightsaber, he tosses it behind his back, causing all kinds of fandom to explode. Um, but so Luke is really trying to cut himself, cut himself off uh, from everything and trying to, to live the rest of his days of his life in seclusion. And that's, that's how he processes the past. He's like, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just going to completely just move away, right? Hide in the hills. And now we have uh, Kylo, which Kylo is a radical. Uh, he sees the error very clearly of the Jedi and the Sith. It's not just the Jedi, it's the Jedi and the Sith. And he, he sees them as, as equally um, uh, amiss and, um, in how... Uh, he feels uh, about about them, and so so his uh, plan is is and how he processes it is like we need to eliminate it, we need to burn it down, um, burn it to the ground. And uh, you know, I don't think he, I will go as far as saying that he is uh, a nihilist, but but because uh, there's 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 him trying to blaze a different path. He's not saying that nothing matters, um, but but he's like, in order to move forward, and, and, and this path is so jagged, um, we need to completely start a whole new, and start anew, which you can definitely relate to that, um, and, and, and especially coming from why he feels that way, which this guy has got a layered past. I mean, you talk about trauma. You know, your, your grandfather is basically... Um, you know, the space version of Hitler. And, and so he's crazy. Uh, and then you got mixed feelings about that. And then you have your, your mom, Leia, dad, Han, who have their own issues. Dad was basically uh, a, a drug dealer um, or a smuggler, however you want to see that. But I mean, it's like this guy was, was, was running game. I mean, he, he spices and all kinds of things and um, outlaw type, person um not not the best upbringing and so he doesn't bring great character to the relationship he's learning and he grows um over time um but you can see how that can cause issues in the marriage and you have leah who realized um and everybody realized that her dad uh was the hitler of the galaxy and so she's got issues you talk about that causing issues you realizing that 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 the the man who raised you um you thought were your dad no no that's not your dad your dad is this evil guy your dad is the guy who who uh uh is the epitome of the sith um that will cause some issues uh you you know leia witnessed her whole planet of old being exploded in front of her eyes that causes trauma um you know she she has a a quick fling with her brother that will cause you trauma um there's some issues there very complex and she's bringing that um uh, all those layered things uh into her own relationship with han that that you know we find when we watch the film has its own uh, at least the force awakens has their own issues you know and then and then on top of that you have the the man that you love in your relationship he dies at the hands of your son right and you see your son being pulled away to the very thing that that you fight against which is the dark side the sith your son is 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 being groomed by a guy named snoke which is the the the, the most ridiculous name on the planet but but snoke who who really acts as this like you know like 
pedophile in many ways, you know, in terms of grooming uh, Kylo and who knows how old Kylo was when he groomed him away. I know that could be in more of the extended universe and books and stuff like that. I don't have that off the top of my mind. But but he kind of grooms him and pulls him away and, and has this weird kind of mentor um father figure relationship and, and seizes that opportunity because of his disconnection from from not Kyla, but his disconnection from Luke um, because he feels like his uncle tried to kill him and his perspective when we see flashbacks. Um, so that, that is a lot of layers there that all points to Kylo being a very um, just complex, uh, emotionally distraught kid. Uh, wow. Imagine growing up in all of that. Um, you know, issues from that, from your past, how your mom feels, how your dad feels, uh, your uncle who has his own issues, uh, this, this family drama that's looming, right? Uh, many of us can relate to that. This family drama that has happened in the past, or maybe there's one specific event that's happened in your past and your family's past that you feel like everyone has to, um, that everyone's affected by, and it's hard to kind of sweep it under the rug because it, it, it's hurtful, right? Um, I definitely definitely can can relate to that and you'll hear me share this a lot uh, in my own life is is my my father um was a drug addict and battled for many years um you know really um fracturing our family uh definitely his marriage to my mom and his fathering for us and and having my mom um just choosing to to separate and and her becoming a single mom, raising four kids on her own. I mean, that there's a lot there that has caused me um, an upbringing of hate and bitterness before I became a Christian. And so, man, there's, there's a lot there. And I can relate a lot to Kylo and how he felt. And the and, and reason why Luke is one of my favorite characters is I can relate a lot to him specifically because when I first saw... Um, uh, a new hope and and you know and getting in all the way into um you know empire strikes back really empire strikes back really hit the chord of wow i wow i can relate to that because i feel like my dad and, and not really knowing as much from him but seeing the drugs being the dark side and him pulling him away and turning him into something that he wasn't early on and and he's just a, a different person now and and um and really a person not not being able to to be around, and my mother had to protect us from, and so so I relate a lot to Luke. And then even when I um, started to see the new trilogy with Force Awakens and moving on, can relate a lot to to Kylo. Like there's some a bunch of confliction there that it's really it's really sad. And so so we have that. So again, how Kylo processes all of that, it's by eliminating it. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to burn it down. I'm going to remove it from me. And literally, he kills his dad. He tries to kill his mom. He kills his mentor in this in this movie, uh, Snoke, which is you know symbolizes the Sith. Um, you know, it, it's and then the throne scene has this really great visual of 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 him trying to just really destroy everything. He literally burns the throne scene like that is the epitome of his worldview. Is we are going to burn it down. It should not exist, baby, with the bathwater. Right? I mean, it's it's completely out. Like let's get rid of it. 
And, uh, you know, at the end of the movie, you know, you could see so much anger in him when he's uh, having the showdown with Luke and, and, and kind of the, the, he symbolizes the Jedi Order. Like he's what's left about that whole side that he's got to get rid of. And so, again, can hit home for a lot of people, especially right now. You got people who are like, we need to burn it all down. Like, literally, they're burning it down. Um, and, and just like, like all of it needs to go, like all of it, wholesale. And, and you get that term, you know, cancel culture out. And there've been so many people who've been ousted um, in, in so many ways. And so I think that, man, Kylo, uh, that worldview is being very prevalent, felt among many people during his time. And so it brings us next to, to Rey. Uh, and Rey's the optimist. Uh, she uh, doesn't believe the Jedi Order should die, but rather be revived. Uh, may not... And she may not fully comprehend all the faults of the Jedi, I and mean, you can see that in the film, that uh, she's young, wide-eyed, right, um, haven't been around the block. She, hasn't, she, hasn't, she doesn't know uh, everything that goes into um, uh, how things are, are made and processed and all the, the politics with everything. She's just, she's just brand new and, and with hopeful, uh, optimistic faith, faithful. You know, that's who she is. And she um, acknowledges... Uh, to, she, uh, she doesn't acknowledge what, what Luke feels when they're talking um, and, and doesn't feel the same way that he feels. Um, and, and, and even to the point where she's like, hey, like, you know, it's like, never meet your heroes. I mean, she's like distraught. Like, what is wrong with you, man? Like, this is crazy. Like, like get yourself together, you know? Um, you know, it's like Luke's lying in, on the floor in his apartment. He's like, Just get up. Like, what are you doing? You know, there's so much. I mean, the galaxy's falling apart. We need you, right? We need you to stand up. And so, so we, we see Ray's, I mean, her optimism is so bright, uh, so much at times it blinds her, uh, blinds her when it comes to Kylo and, and her trying to reach out to him um, with this, this you know, uh, faith, you know, and zeal without knowledge comes to mind in the scriptures, uh, you know, and that backfires uh, when she's trying to reach out. In this particular movie, obviously we know if you watch Rise of Skywalker, there's, there's a different story to that. Um, but her healthy respect for history and literature is like, we can't burn that. Like, we need to learn from it. And she has such a healthy respect for, for the history of the Jedi. Um, now, again, it, it may be in a different rose-colored glasses. You may see it in a different way and not all the things behind it. But, but I mean, everyone's told her what's behind it. She sees it in Kylo that the dude is terrible. She saw him kill Han, but yet she still has faith. So I don't think she, it's completely uh, naivety. I think that she just chooses to think of, of, of the better side. To She chooses to be faithful, which I absolutely love that about her. She's one of my favorite characters uh, in these films for that reason. And, and, I, and I can see, because I, I side most with her. There is, and it's probably why I'm a pastor, um, they're just, they're just a, an optimism that I, that I just wholeheartedly believe uh, that the world needs. Um, not uh, neglecting or not um, like deliberately turning a blind eye. That is not what I'm talking about. It is looking challenge in the face. It is looking at the reality right before you and saying, I choose to be faithful instead of choosing to be gobbled up by the negativity, especially right now in July 2020. It's like people need optimism. Uh, People need 
people who are going to lead um, faithfully and lead in a way that's going to be positive change and, and not being sucked up into all the negativity. That's what we need it from our leaders. We need it from our community leaders. We need it from our government. We need it from our family members. Like, like that's what the world needs. And we'll get into what Jesus preached, but that's what we need. And I feel like Ray embodies that wholeheartedly. But there again, there is some faults. I mean, she is 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 green in, in all this, meaning that she doesn't um, has a, have a lot of experience and and she doesn't have wisdom that comes with this faith, which again could be dangerous. Which I'm reminded of zeal without knowledge. And so she needs that wisdom. She needs to learn that wisdom to help her be a better uh, leader, and and obviously in her mind to to be a better Jedi. Um, so, but again, but she's got her own issues too. It's not like she's you know, jump on the scene and totally privileged. No, she she's an orphan. I mean, she was sold to some, uh, you know, uh, by some junkies, uh, quote unquote, her parents at the, in the time of this movie. I'm only going to uh, um, operate in a frame of the movie. I'm not pulling in anything in, in the future from Rise of Skywalker, only what we know in the film. What she knows at this point is that uh, her parents were junkies and sold her to a, basically uh, some, you know, uh, guy who deals in junkyard parts right uh she she's being raised on a junkyard i mean how how uh uh, depressing that could be for her to know that you don't have parents um you you are spending your life a lot of your formative formative years um uh, in your you know from from adolescence to in your early 20s um scavenging for parts just to survive in some uh forgotten desert right like that's her upbringing, um, um, hoping for something more, hoping for something greater. She's not privileged in any way. Um, and, and there is this, this um, out of all this kind of uh, hard situation she has, still has this incredible faith. And so, again, the way she processes it, processes the past is with hope, which is an incredible message that I think bleeds through all of uh, these films. No matter what you think about the new trilogy, you, you can't deny that that is um, really that that the silver lining in all of it is Ray's processing um, the past with hope and that they're, they're, the mistakes are there, but there is hope and that the world still needs people who are going to stand up uh, to the evil that is prevalent in the world. You can't stop. You shouldn't stop. You got to keep moving forward, which again, something I can totally totally admire. Now, um, the last person I'm going to talk about, again, I'm not going to get into everything. I'm not going to talk about Leia or, or Han, even though he's not necessarily in this film, um, or any other characters like Poe. And it's not because um, I don't care about those characters. They're incredible characters. And there's so many characters I can pull in. Um, I, I can pull in Finn. And I can talk about Finn. I'm only going to talk about the Force users, and uh, and that's by design because we're, it's going to help us as we get to the section about or come to Jesus and what that means. And so, the last person I'm going to talk about within that kind of force users uh, section is Snoke. And so we have Snoke, who in my mind is the establishment. He is looking to preserve the power, or at least regain uh, the good old days of what the Empire was. And he wants to get that and even take it further. Uh, he doesn't have much depth in the series, so it's not much to extrapolate from him. But what we can take from his character is that, you know, he wants to eliminate the resistance. Um, anything that poses a, th- a threat to him being in power and then and like i talked about he's the that really creepy uncle um that that really pulls in kylo to his ideology and grooming him 
to something that's just an, an evil weapon of, and, and uses manipulation and abuse. I mean, it's really it's an abusive relationship that they're in. Um, he uses abuse uh, for power and control. That speaks so much to things that have gone on in our world, um, so much that, that a lot of people can feel in their own situations, sadly, and, and I'm, I'm heartbroken for that, especially being a pastor. You know, my, my wife and I have been in ministry for, for many years, and, and she'll share, particularly on... on um, the side of women of what they go through and their upbringing as she studied the Bible with many women. It's just heartbreaking when she shares, not, not in detail because of the protection of them, but, but just shares like, man, she's like, honey, it is a dark world out there and, and how women are treated. And it just breaks my heart. It, it does of, of the things that people have gone through who they get, uh, get roped in or trapped by people that they trust that end up abusing that power that that you know you decide to give them and they control it over you with abuse of all types of forms. Um, you know, Snoke to me is a parasite, um, and we kind of see him be exposed the way Kylo kills him. I mean, it just wasn't even a fight, and and some people were mad at that. They want some big showdown. I thought it was genius because Snoke was exposed for what he is. He, he's just this puppet, you know, and 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 uh, just a creepy uncle, you know, that that sits around and and you know in and out of work. Um, doesn't care for people, mooches, and and sees an opportunity to abuse somebody, right? And it's just like, man, like that's not that's not cool. And so he's a parasite, you know. He doesn't have any original ideas or creativity. In fact, he's just trying to live up to what the imp- an emperor does, right? You know, only operating in this movie. Most of he's like, well, we know, you know, I understand, um, but I'm only operating in this movie of what we know about Snoke up to this point. But there is no creativity. Um, you know, he seeks to leech, leech off the, the past regimes and ideals. You know, again, this returning to the good old days of the empire. He wants to keep the status quo. And his process of the past is like, hey, we got to regain to this former g- glory, right? Um, make the empire great again, right? I mean, it's, it's that, uh, that idea of, of, um, that we get uh, from uh, a Snoke uh, in that way. And so that, that that's our characters. That that's where they're at. That's that struggle, forbidden fruit. How do we process the past? You know, do we burn it like Kylo wants? Uh, do we just completely leave? Right? I mean, a lot of people. Uh, I've seen posts and tweets of people, um, you know, in America saying we should just leave and go to Canada. Right? They, they want to pull the Luke move. Um, and then you have different people who are like Snoke. Now, in any way, these characters don't reflect you. If you feel you side with someone like Snoke or you side with someone like Kylo, doesn't mean that you're a horrible person. Um, so I don't want to communicate that. Um, but we do have people who, who, who are even on posts and tweets and have the sentiment of, of we need to regain back a certain period of time uh, in America and, and we need to, to not change anything. Again, I'm not communicating if you side with that, that that's who you are. This is just how the characters in this movie play out. Um, and so that that's not what I am communicating to you. So you can breathe a sigh of relief. In fact, when we talk about a come to Jesus moment, you understand um, that even in, in, in depth even more.
Um, so this come to Jesus moment, this is the next section. Let's talk about the come to Jesus moment. And and the come to Jesus moment for me when I watched this film, it was the Sermon on the Mount immediately came uh, to mind. Now, before we get into it, I do want to note that um, these podcasts are going to be incredibly long. Um, <laughs> we're going to take, literally, as you've seen, we're taking a deep uh, dive uh, into uh, these movies and into scripture and the teaching and just talking about uh, so many of these characters. And so I just I just want for you to brace yourself with that. And hopefully you've, I'm sure as you, as you clicked on, uh, however you found this podcast and you download, you can see that it's going to be a long podcast. We are going to take a deep dive. We are, we are uh, uh, you know, just in a, in a mode of, of just uh, like seeping in and, and marinating on all of it. Um, you know, some of my favorite podcasts, like uh, I think it's Dan Carlin's like Hardcore History. I mean, his dude's taking hours of talking about history. And I love those like podcasts where you can really seep into it. It's one of those things you put on, maybe you, you listen to a section and you get back to it. So I just want to let you know that. So that was a, a, a short, brief break. So getting back to this point. So the come to Jesus moment, uh, to me, is a Sermon on the Mount that Jesus talks about. And before we get to the Sermon on the Mount, I want to give you a little background uh, about it. Um, now, the Sermon on the Mount, um, for many people, no matter what religion you are, um, it's considered uh, some of the best of Jesus' teachings. And, and, sh- and sure sure enough, there's a collection of, of just some great teaching in um, the Sermon on the Mount that we find in, in Matthew 5. Uh, through seven, and some scholars believe that this was uh, a sermon uh, series that Jesus was was preaching a lot from town to town, um, and and speaking on from town to town that that the followers his followers knew very well and can recount some of those core teachings because it really lays down the groundwork, uh, which can be seen as Sermon on the Mount, is, is, the, is the type of people that God wants in His kingdom. You know, Sermon on the Mount is, is showing the expectation of God's coming kingdom. Now, if you're, you're not Christian and you don't have a background of that, you have this idea that, that uh, God um, uh, is, is in Jesus, when He comes onto the scene, is building this this kingdom um, uh, for his people. And now backtracking all the way back into Old Testament times with um, the Israelites, even before that, the Hebrews, um, they, there was this there was this part of, of traveling to find the promised land to build uh, God's kingdom to show the world that God is the God to be worshipped. And so they had the tabernacle, which became the temple, and then and then and God resided there. And they destroyed kingdoms and and grew uh, out of the the, the leadership of, of King David that handed over to King Solomon and became the most prosperous kingdom in the world, right? That was um, the, the uh, at the time, God's people, that was in their heyday. Um, and, then, and then because of their lack of, of following God, um, he allowed other uh, tribes and forces and kings to come in and raid and overtake and destroy that kingdom. And you see the temple being destroyed. You see God's people being dispersed and all over the place and and in now in captivity uh, in many ways. And so you have this in, in the Sermon on the Mount, fast forward to Jesus' day, this idea of God's kingdom versus worldly kingdom. And the Jews always believe that, man, we will... Um, uh, get that kingdom once again. We will we will be that mighty kingdom in the days of, of King David once again. And they waited for it, right? There's prophecy for this, that they were uh, on board universally for this kingdom. 
Um, and so, so that's a little background of leading into this idea of, of kingdom versus worldly kingdoms and, and, and what the Jews were just anticipating. This Messiah would come in the form of King David and, and would, just, would just rule by force and take it over and bring us back to prominence. And so you can, you can see that, you know, spoiler alert, Jesus was not that. You know, you read the, the, the Bible, he was, he was far from that. In fact, you, you would see him as, man, he's weak uh, in a lot of things that he's doing um, until that point. So that's a side of the kingdom. Now, I want to talk a little bit about how uh, with this kind of kingdom mentality amongst the, the and now the Jews, because, uh, you know, again, we can go into the kingdom splitting um, from uh, Israel and Judah, uh, the, the, you know, under, uh, after Solomon, it had split under uh, his son, and um, it split to Israel and Judah, and the, the north was Israel, the south was Judah, and the north really just got decimated uh, beyond repair and uh, through um, diaspora. I mean, it was just complete um, uh, unrecognizable, really. And so the, the part of God's people that, that kind of survived with culture uh, was Judah, which eventually became the Jews, and that's why you get the term the Jews uh, versus them called the Israelites or Hebrews. Uh, you have the Jews because they're from that that um, split up part of the kingdom, which is Judah, and they were able to preserve that culture. So fast forward, you you are um, now in this place of Hellenism that was given birth by Alexander the Great, and um, just a lot of, of of crazy expansion with that with uh, Alexander, and um, that we see. Uh, for him and and him bringing this idea of Hellenism, uh, which is this this transformation from a uh, kind of um, specific local culture to 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 broaden out to bring uh, the uh, Greek culture uh, into this universal uh, uh, into every civilization, and so that was his goal, and and he did he brought Hellenism. So the Hellenism um, had this um, uh, effect everywhere. And especially amongst uh, the Jews, and so, and there was this kind of fight of kind of what do we do with with this idea of, of Hellenism, and um, and so that you had certain kings and rulers who you know would conquer certain areas, but didn't expect their people or, or certain groups to uh, adopt wholesale uh, Hellenism, and so uh, Ptolemy, who was a leader before, um, we see Antiochus who uh, came that that end up inciting the Maccabean revolt we're talking about here in a little bit. But Ptolemy was like, hey, Jews, you can accept Hellenism. I, I want to give it to you, um, and you do well if you were to accept them, make life life better. Um, but uh, then, then after he left, you had Antiochus come in, and he was the one saying, you will uh, embrace Hellenism. And, and he started to uh, presume to build uh, statues of uh, Greek statues uh, amongst uh, Jerusalem and um, and the worship of Yahweh in Jerusalem was replaced by the worship of Zeus. Uh, he banned all uh, Jewish uh, festivals and practices including circumcision. You know, he would to go on to even put up uh, statues in the temple. Uh, I mean, crazy. Uh, the adherence to the Torah was strictly forbidden. Um, I mean, it's just, it's insane uh, that, that the, the, the outlandish behavior, offensive behavior from Antiochus. And this incited the revolt, the Maccabean, Maccabean revolt that we know now around 170 BC, um, where the Jews were like, you know, that's it, we have had enough. And so they um, had fought 
for their freedom under uh, Antiochus, or their not only their, their cultural freedom, really, from Antiochus. And and once they won and overcome that, that's where you get the whole story of Hanukkah. And so the the Jews have this now question to ask: How do we do deal with Hellenism now? Um, before it was kind of okay, and 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 um, some of us frankly liked it, you know, under Ptolemy. But now, um, because of this horrible experience we've had uh, under Antiochus, how do we view Hellenism now? Again, processing the past. What do we do with this? You know, all of this 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 stuff that's lingering over us, and it wasn't going to go away because. After the Greeks, you had the Romans embrace it whole, wholesale as well, and they're preaching um, uh, about Hellenism um, as well. And so now you've got an- another set of, of overseers in Rome um, who are now the new oppressors, um, but, but like Ptolemy in some ways, have given the Jews religious and cultural freedom to not completely assimilate into Roman culture. And so, again, they have this question, how much do we embrace this, this Hellenism now uh, being um, promoted uh, from Rome? And, um, and you had these groups, these uh, philosophical groups, um, start because of that idea. And those groups, um, what, what I would say became uh, the major views of Judaism um, in response to Hellenism and, and again, and then later Roman uh, rule. And so out of these views, you have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and the Zealots. Now, the two groups that we're not going to talk about are the Sakari and the Herodians. And so, um, again, and there's some podcasts I'll put and link uh, in the description that can help you in detail to catch up with those things. We're not going to go too much into that. I'll I'll talk about them as lightly as possible, but not going to get too much into that. Now, here's that come to Jesus moment when watching The Last Jedi. You're like, okay, Richard, this is awesome, and and, and, and I'm with you, and hopefully you're able to follow me up to this point. How does that have to do anything with The Last Jedi? Well, it has to do everything uh, with The Last Jedi, and it helps me understand um, it, how Jesus felt in his day, because you had the same worldview that we see in the different characters I talked about with the Force users and processing their past about um, the Force and the Jedi Order and the Sith Order. Um, we find that in God's people um, in the days of Jesus processing the past of of Hellenism and Roman rule, which is fantastic uh, connection that when I was doing some study of this just really blew me away. And um, and there was like, uh, you know, again, even some more connections to Rome and and, um, and the Jews in, in Jesus' day that, that mimics um, Star Wars is you have Rome who has this kind of dual side, almost light and dark side, where you had Pax Romana, which you had, again, this this um, uh, side of Rome that, that uh, you know, this Roman peace is what Pax Romana means. And it was this period in time in history. Um, again, it, later we would see that now, which people would say is a time of peace, uh, so to speak. I mean, uh, I don't think there's any time necessary peace because we always got to deal with the human struggle. But in this time, there's, there's a period where there weren't these like huge, massive wars, um, and Rome—that uh, was their thing—is we're going to institute this peace, and and people had benefit from it. You have all kinds of 
crazy, incredible things that come birth out of this uh, moment. And there's a, a, a New Testament scholar called, uh, called <laughs> named uh, Michael Gorman, who um, talks about Rome during this time. And he says that in Rome, there was no empire in human history that is celebrated as more celebrated than Roman Empire. Uh, this empire is synonymous uh, with, with the Roman peace, the Pax Romana. You know, the empire ended a civil strife the era of civil strife in Rome and unified a huge area uh, of land containing diverse peoples. The systems that built and maintained that peace have been the envy of many for two millennia, the government, the military ar- architecture and roads and so on. And it's true, right? And in history books, we talk so much about Rome and what Rome is and what it's brought that, that even in America that we can glean from. That's the light side. But there's also this darker side, and in, and in Michael Gorman's book about Paul, given the backdrop of Rome, he talks about that darker side. He says that, but there is a darker side to this peace that cannot be forgotten. You know, an empire was born, but a republic simultaneously died. The Romans established and maintained their empire through conquest, subjugation, intimidation. It was, in other words, peace through war, security via domination. Uh, security through via domination. The Romans invaded and enslaved. They moved the conquered in and out, and they formed new colonies and refounded old cities as their own colonies. They imposed taxes and tributes to maintain the empire, especially the military and the elite. Wow, crazy. And their deterrent to make sure that those who threatened that peace, that that Pax Romana, Understood the consequences, i.e., crucifixion, which again it was this, um, you know, and many scholars um, like or historians like jo, uh, like Josephus talked about crucifixion being this um, humiliating um, corporal punishment um, that was instituted um, by the Romans. They didn't create it, but they definitely perfected it, and it was to shame and embarrass. Uh, and, and, and the worst way to die publicly ever, right? And so, um, yeah, there was a darker side to it. And so how do you feel about that, right? It, it, it totally mimics what we find in these Force users in Last Jedi and how they feel about uh, the Sith and Jedi Order and how and, and, and some views, that they're linked the same, that, that the Jedi Order has much to blame as, as for the Sith. And how do you process the past and all this? Again, again even connecting us and us to learn the way we need to learn from um, our history now. How do we process American history given everything that has gone on? So let me talk a little bit about those those different split-offs and beliefs um, from the different groups and, and how they mimic uh, a lot about um, uh, what we see in The Last Jedi. Okay, so we'll start off with the Zealots, right? So the Zealots, their belief is that God is the only one that has the right to rule over us Jews. And violence is the, is the solution. The, they, were, they were the extreme wing of the Pharisees. Uh, um, they, they were like, dude, we have got to fight. We've got to fight. We gotta, that's the only way that we overthrow this thing. Burn it to the ground, right? You know, they're... they're that was their personality, is, 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 is we're going to solve these things through violence. They opposed Jews that had power and privilege. 
and um, and they seek they sought to to start uh, their own um, uh, set of government uh, under the Roman government, and they they wanted to start anew. That's the only way that we can move forward. Rome did not look after their well-being. It was a system that could not be fixed. And you can see Kylo follows under the zealot, right? That is Kylo's beliefs. Um, He is the zealot uh, in the storyline. Next, we have the Essenes. They were a group of Jews who believed in end-time prophecies. Um, They believed that the temple priesthood was corrupt, again, would would side with the uh, the zealots, um, that Hellenism needs to be completely rejected, you know, um, that, you know, we don't need to have um, this connection to Hellenism and, and the Roman government. They believe in absolute purity, you know, and, 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 and abstaining from uh, the world, so to speak, the Roman world. Uh, their personalities are very Puritan in lifestyle. Uh, they refuse to own slaves, especially in a time where everybody had slaves. Um, you know, they focus on, on one another relationships to communal um, um, activity. Uh, they practice close table fellowship. You know, they were seen as separatists and non-political. They were against war uh, and exercised pacifism. Uh, that was the Essenes. And their response to Rome would be, um, well, well, what Rome? Well, you don't know uh, who Rome is because they were gone. They secluded themselves. They didn't pay attention to the news or to the tweets, you know, to Twitter. They were completely cut off. Um, you know, it's all worldly in their minds and, and, and really uh, not worth saving in that respect. We are going to, to, to move to the side and then wait for God to come to come back. And, and hopefully that uh, immediately draws your attention to Luke, right? That Luke would be in the scene like that. That was his response. I'm going to pull away. I'm going to go away, right? Uh, Hellenism needs to be completely rejected. I mean, him and saying the Jedi order needs to die. We need to separate ourselves. And he, he's gone to a different place. And he didn't reject the force entirely. There's a lot of things he learned anew of the Force. Again, he kept those Jedi, uh, uh, those Jedi texts. So there was this idea of still learning and growing. And it seems definitely we're still learning and growing and building. You just thought, hey, man, you know what? We can't do that uh, in the existence of Rome and being there. And next you have the Sadducee, who uh, their beliefs were, you know, we believe that, uh, you know, God wasn't so much concerned about what people did, but rather uh, he gave them free will. Uh, they tend to be more worldly, not so much in sin, but but believe in the world, more, the, the most Hellenized of the group, uh, materialistic in their out, outlook, um, you know, tend to be richer, you know, hung out with the, the wealthy Jewish elite. Uh, they love their positions uh, in, in politics and in, and in life um, among uh, the, the, the Jews. You know, um, they were important power brokers at the center of Judean politics. That's one of the, the uh, scholars that I read um, had that quote, and I thought, oh, that's perfect. Um, you know, they tend to be conservative uh, politically and wanted to keep the status quo uh, with Rome. Um, you know, at times it could be pictured a aloof, aristocratic clique that generally was out of touch with the common people. Um, because they lived uh, in, in those elite places or, or in elite um, uh, um, crowds, uh, you know, and their response to Rome would be the system works, you know, um, th- this is this is how it turned out. We need to work with Rome, not fight against it. If we burn it, what, we, what would we have left? Don't mess it up, right? And so immediately you could be you can think of Snoke and and how. Snoke, uh, not not apples to apples, but but the mindset of 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 trying to keep uh, that status quo. Now, again, in each of these uh, scenarios, um, I don't think there there's uh, 
and in the in, in its extreme, there's wrong. Um, but in its kind of hey, let's work together. There, there's some right to that. I think that there's some right to what the Sadducees are trying to do. There's some right to what the Essenes are trying to push. I, I don't think in their in their extreme points. Uh, same with the Zealots. There's, there's a right to to feel for things and, and have uh, uh, this this ambition to say, hey, we've got to change things. But again, not push to their extreme where you're killing people and and, and it's through violence. Um, you know, Pharisees is the same. Uh, the next part we want to talk about, Pharisees are in that, where, you know, we can read scripture and think, man, Pharisees are completely horrible people. They weren't. They, they were known as people of the book, people who who really closely uh, followed the scriptures and studied everything surrounding the scriptures, uh, people who loved the book. You know, this section of the Pharisees, they were the largest group of, of, of the groups that we talked about so far. They were the wor- working class, the artisans, the merchants, the farmers. Uh, they were more missionary focused, you know, seek to convert. Uh, they sought to convert the Gentiles um, as proselytes, you know, Matthew twenty three fifteen. It had little interest uh, in politics as a whole, um, and they, there was a group that had little and direct kind of power uh, individually as a group. More, not, uh, you know, the Sadducees had more power uh, than them because they worked directly with Rome. Um, their response to Rome was, Rome isn't the issue. It belongs to the world, and, and, and they, weren't be, they weren't surprised of what has happened because it's the world. And their view was that God was, their worldview was God was punishing us. That if people followed the Torah, then none of this would happen. Um, we need to get our act together and take care of our own house, right? And you can see now, Ray would fall into this group, probably not in, in its extreme. She would fall into this group only because she is a believer of of the text. She's the believer of let's hold to God's word. She's a believer of this can change, kind of hopeful of seeing change. I think where where she wouldn't necessarily side with is is the Pharisees tend to be harder on those who were the sinners, right? And so when we read the scriptures, Jesus is hard on the Pharisees because of how much they look down on the sinner, the tax collector, the pagan, uh, the prostitute, um, because they saw them as the reason of why Rome was in power and that God has not um, risen up a prophet to change all of it because it's because of their sin that they're being punished. So they were harder on the sinner uh, than others. And so you can see that kind of, you know, in, in, in all of this, uh, these different worldviews within Judaism of how they handled uh, the oppressor, how they handled uh, the past um, with their their marred past with Hellenism and, and with the Greeks and now with the Romans and even within Judaism, even within each other about the past. What do we do about the past? How do we, how do we move forward uh, in life given, given our current stant, uh, state right now of feeling this, this oppression of Rome, feeling this injustice, feeling this let down um, um, uh, situation of, of what Rome is doing um, to us and as a people um, and as a nation. And so again, not apples to apples to, to Last Jedi, but when I watched Last Jedi, I thought of that immediately, or, or when I watched it again, and not when I initially watched it, but take some time, I think a couple of weeks ago, I saw it my family, and I immediately thought about that. I thought that here you have these, these Force users, that kind of the Force user characters, who are feeling the same thing about the Force and how it re- relates to the Jedi Order and the Sith. And they have these very similar responses that we see among the Jews and the different worldviews. And, 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 and I thought, man, wow, that's going to teach us how to get, get through it. And, and like I said, Ray becomes that, that silver lining, which I think Ray takes on more of a Christ-like figure because you got to remember Jesus 
came out of the Pharisee group. Um, he was raised among Pharisees uh, out of all those other groups. And so, um, like Ray is more connected to the Pharisees, she's like Jesus in the way where there is this focus on Scripture and God's Word, but she has this optimism and faith that Jesus had who risen out of this Pharisaic group, um, and he loved the sinner. He, he cared for the sinner. He touched the leper. He had incredible optimism about the state of where the Jews were and what God felt about them and their future. He taught. He, st- he didn't lose that edge of teaching and, 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 and being hard on the sinner, but, but it was with love and not with just complete um, uh, abuse that, that at times the Pharisees, not all of them, but, but the ones that, we, that are noted in the scriptures would have towards the sinner. And so, so that was that moment, that come to Jesus moment for me of like, wow, there's such an overlay. Uh, again, not apples to apples, but, but man, there's such a connection. Not completely, um, but, but it taught me and it drove me like straight to the scriptures. And, and as I was studying more about the different groups and worldview within Judaism, I was like, wow, like I see that all over The Last Jedi specifically with the force users. You can you can take so many different routes of, of themes within The Last Jedi, but this is the one that stood out to me the most by watching it again, given the background and the context of 2020 in a pandemic. I thought, wow, like this this speaks to me. Now, the cool thing is that Jesus gives us answers on how to deal with these things now. Because you may find yourself relating to different worldviews within Judaism that I mentioned, or different characters that we talked about from The Last Jedi who have that kind of um, symbiotic connection to the different worldviews of, of Judaism. You may be uh, siding with the zealot, right? With the Kylo. We need to burn it down, right? Like everything that's happening right now, uh, all this abuse or injustice, you're feeling a lot. And you're like, we need to just completely do away with all of it. Right? Well, Jesus has something for you uh, to help and navigate you if you're a zealot, right? If you're a scene, you're like, the world is crazy. America's crazy. I can't trust it. I'm going to move to Canada. I'm getting out of this place. I don't want to be here, right? And you're, you're, you're like Luke. You know, you see the mistakes, you see the, the, the disillusionment of what you believed in, i.e., the American government, or if you ever believed in the American government. Um, and you're like, I got to go. Jesus has something for you. Or you are like the Pharisee. We need to focus uh, uh, on, on what we need to do uh, in the scriptures. You know, I'm not worried about that. It's about, you know, about God and moving forward. Now, that sounds great, but it also could be self-righteous like the Pharisees were. And, and, and you may come hard on different people who are acting, you know, quote unquote, and again, you can't see his podcast, bear quotes, that they're not acting Christian and you're hard on them and, and there's, there's no grace, right? And, and, and again, not, you know, Ray doesn't um, connect fully, but there's a side to that where, you know, that, that with the Pharisee, there's a side to, um, uh, kind of tuning things out, which again, there's a healthy part to it, but then there's also an unhealthy part to it, like many other other parts we talked about. So maybe you side with the Pharisee and how you're dealing with this right now. Or maybe it's the Sadducee. You know, maybe you're like, you know, we need to work with this. Guys, what are we talking about here? America's still America here, right? I mean, and it's not necessarily a political stance that you're taking. It's just like, wow, like, we have got to bring this together. There, there is a good side to that, to the, the Sadducees. I think they all get a bad rap uh, most of the time, Sadducees and Pharisees. But there is a good side to it. We need to work with people. 
You know, and Jesus talked a lot about that, not just Jesus, but Paul. Like, there's a part of us working. I mean, Paul talked extensively about, I mean, there's a reason why God didn't come back and obliterate the Roman Empire. He, he, he left the, the, his people and, and, and in it, and, and, when, and then the Christian movement and the Acts, he left them there to work through within it. And so there is this part of working together. There is this part of, 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 of what can we do in operating in the, the constraints that we have and, and to make do of what we have. And, and maybe you feel that way. Again, there's also a side to it where um, they were so tied in and enthralled. Um, again, and, and obviously Snoke, that's why I said you're not a Snoke, um, but, but he is kind of the antithesis of where it can go if we're not careful. Where, where you're pushing so much about the status quo or so much about a certain ideal that you alienate yourself from people who are hurting. You alienate yourself from really trying to reach out to those who need help. And so, so you may find yourself in any one of these situations and Jesus has something for each and every one of us. And what we're going to do, and the reason why I named this Come to Jesus moment, the Sermon on the Mount, is I believe in the Sermon of the Mount, he addresses each of these aspects in the Sermon of the Mount, thus addressing each one of these groups. And again, why it inspired me when I listened or when I watched uh, The Last Jedi that really helped me in my own faith. So hopefully you're still with me. It is crazy that, uh, um, you know, we're taking this complete deep dive in this right now. But what I want to do is I want to take a look in this and really dive in and talk about um, these different aspects of what we see and how Jesus really addresses each one of these aspects within uh, the Sermon of the Mount. And so we're going to start off and talk about these each uh, part. So the first, you know, like we, we talked about, we're going to talk about the zealot, right? So remember, the zealot, kind of like Kylo, it's like death through war. We got to do it. And here's Jesus speaking to them in the Sermon of the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 42, it reads, uh, and I'm reading the NIV, it says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. And if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants you to sue you and take your shirt, hand it over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard, actually we'll stop there uh, at 42. So, so actually no, we keep, keep on in verse 43. You have heard it was says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And you may be children of your father in heaven because he causes the sun to rise in the evil uh, on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those uh, who love you, what reward would you get? Even not the tax collector doing that. If you greet only people who greet, 
greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so here, Jesus is addressing that head on. Um, you saw that in, in the, the Old Testament, it was an eye for an eye. Someone treated you wrong, uh, you know, someone like, you know, uh, murdered someone, uh, you kill them, right? Someone uh, took out your eye, you, you, you take out their eye, right? If someone had, you know, killed your cattle, you kill their cattle, right? I mean, it was like that, that, repu- uh, that um, retribution by, by equal act. And I think that people in that zealot group feel like, hey, um, like I felt, you know, uh, uh, injustice on me. I need to react and we need to react with that with the same force. Right. We need to bring that same energy. And, and Jesus is like, no, you've heard it was said an eye for an eye. That's not how uh, people within the kingdom but people in, in my new kingdom that I, I'm creating, unlike David's kingdom, you know, when it was an eye for an eye and, and it was a violence and, and, and expansion, uh, that's not how this is going to happen. I am not that, that Messiah that, that, that you um, uh, thought. Uh, I'm bringing something completely different. This is how we're going to treat our enemies. We are going to go doubly what they ask us. If they slap me in the face, I'll give them the other side of my cheek, right? If, they're, if they make me walk a mile, I'll walk two. Like, it's, it's the above and beyond, you know? Like, like I'm not even going to hate the enemy. I'm going to love them, right? And I'm not going to only treat my own people right. I'm going to go beyond that. I'm going to do beyond what's expected. I'm going to go the extra mile. That is talking directly to the person that finds himself as like the zealot, right? And so that's something that, man, we need to, we need to really check ourselves. And how do we see and how do we feel uh, about that? Okay, so next we are going to look at the Essenes and uh, talk about what uh, Jesus challenges them to be in terms of how they saw. Again, remember the Essenes saw themselves as we need to move away from society. We need to completely reject Hellenism, Roman culture, all of it, and remove ourselves from it, right? Those are the people, like, we need to leave America and, like, move to Canada, because America's cray-cray. And, and, and I'd say that's not true, uh, but here's Jesus speaking to that particular group. And Ma- again, all this is a Sermon on the Mount, really particularly Matthew chapter 5. And so Matthew chapter 5, this is what we read in, uh, in verse 13 through 16. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under, underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither people, uh, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, in this kingdom, in God's new formed kingdom that he's talking about, again, the Jews are, 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 are waiting for this kingdom. He says, hey, citizenship in this kingdom, the people are like this. They are the salt of the earth. The, these are the people, again, and salt can be this uh, conviction, this, this passion, right, which could, could see how he's like, he sides with the zealots. Man, we need to have passion, right, chutzpah. That, that, that's what uh, the, the people of God's kingdom need to be, right? They can't lose that saltiness. Now, I wouldn't say that characterize the scenes losing that saltiness. In fact, they were highly, we talked about them, they were like Puritans. But when he talks about it in context of 
why you need to have saltiness. That salt is is supposed to, um, in, in, in another passage in Luke uh, 14, I believe 33, uh, 35, that salt is supposed to salt the earth, is used for a purpose. You're not righteous on your own just for righteousness sake, because you'll be self-righteous. Your righteousness needs to uh, improve, improve the lives around you, right? It's like those players in sports. That player makes everybody around them better. Uh, the player who only makes himself better we don't like, you know, and so, and 14 is where he hits home with that. You are the light of the world, a, a, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden, right? I mean, it's going right after the uh, philosophy and worldview of the Essenes. He's like, you are a city on a hill. You're a town on a hill. Everybody should be able to see you and your progress. You're supposed to give light to the world, light to the house, Right? That's what light does. It illuminates. It helps see people of their faults and their ways. But if you're in seclusion, how are you going to do that? How are you going to give personal example if you're not even there in person? And Jesus is talking directly to that group of his scenes. And if you find yourself in that group, you need this, the best decision for you is to stay in America and show people what Christianity is about. To show people how you respond in a Christian way. In a Christian way, I, even, I don't even like that term. Respond in, in how Jesus would respond, right? Because at times, sadly, the Christian way could be twisted and turned in all kinds of different things, politically or non-politically. But you are to show your life as Jesus would. You are to show people and be that light in your community that they're searching for hope. They're searching for answers. And you should be like Jesus in that way. This is the perfect time and the perfect place for you to shine that light. And Jesus speaking directly to them. Amazing, right? Okay, so next, the Sadducee. And so, again, the Sadducees are the ones who are like, Rome, we need to work with Rome. We need to be connection. That's what we need to do. And I believe that Jesus is speaking directly to this group, again, within Matthew 5. We're all going to stay in Matthew 5. And him talking to them uh, when he talks about this idea of adultery and this idea of, of sin and, 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 and understanding how far there's limits to our connection um, with with sin in a, in a direction that's not healthy. And I think he's speaking directly to that group of Sadducees. You're like, hey, we need to work together. And, and what do you mean like this? And, and we get ourselves so caught up into culture that, and so caught up into, uh, not necessarily culture, but into a certain political ideology or a way or whatever that completely consumes us because we think, hey, we, we, we've got, we can't completely burn it down and we need to work together. We end up compromising our faith. Again, we end up compromising our faith when we do that. And I believe that Jesus speaks to that in Matthew five twenty seven through 30. And it, and it reads, you have heard it was said that you should not commit adultery, but uh, that anyone who looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery in his heart. So that's the part when he's talking about adultery, uh, some of the serious sin. But then he gets into this some, something that that really talks about the the uh, the line of demarcation that we should have. And and he says in twenty nine, uh, if your right eye causes you to to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And again, this this is in context with him talking about adultery, but I think the greater aspect that he's addressing is sin in, gen- in general. That, that we may think, oh, we're just dabbling a little bit. And, 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 and you know, it's not that bad. One, he's like, Jesus takes the standard of sin higher in every aspect. 
He's like, man, if you if you look lustfully, you're a you're adulterous. It's like, whoa, he just bumped up the standard. And he's talking about people who are living uh, on that 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 um on that line playing close to the edge, right? Like, hey, I, you know, because the belief was physical adultery, right, was was bad. Um, but hey, I can lust. Hey, I can I can I can look. It causes no harm if I look. And Jesus said, no, no, you can't even look, right? If you look, it, it really shows your heart. And I believe he's speaking directly at the Sadducees because they're like, hey, they're playing with that line with Rome. You know, I can dabble, but, but you know, and they had very strong convictions about the Torah. It was like they did not compromise when it came to the Torah and the temple. But everything outside of that, they played with. Everything outside of that, they played with. Everything outside of that was free game, right? They were the believers that, hey, God didn't direct every aspect of your life. He gave us free will. And that's why they dabbled on being materialistic. They, they, they crossed the line on so many areas or danced along that line on so many areas because they found that freedom to. And Jesus is saying, hey, no, no. If your right eye caused you to sin, you've got to gouge it out. You are, you are in too deep. And the Sadducees sadly were. And that was a downfall, is that when when um, it came to a head when when in seventy A.D. where the, this war broke out um, against um, you know the Jerusalem and Rome and, and the temple was destroyed and, and and that was the end of the Sadducee um, because that was their whole place and whole, their whole political establishment and once that relationship was destroyed along with the temple they died off as as a political view world view uh, in a group. And, and, and so it, it is very shaky ground to be playing with sin and to ride that line um, and, and, and compromise your faith, right? And so I think Jesus talking to them, saying it is seen as adultery, which later that, that, that's what they're criticized for, that you are in bed with Rome, that that, that's, that was the, the stereotype for the Sadducee. And so there's got to be clear lines where yeah, we we got to work together and, and and there's there's good in that but not compromising your faith. And I think for for some of us that may fall in the Sadducee group where you're judging, you know, and 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 saying to the Christians, "What are you talking about? You know, we need to work together. We need to do this and, and this is great and and you're you're on your high horse about all these different things, but but little do you know that you are so far into it that that you start saying things that aren't Christian. You know, you start getting in arguments through posts that aren't Christian, that aren't Jesus-like. And that's because you've allowed your view, your worldview to take in so much that you're compromising now your faith. And, and, and who is uh, Lord of your life at that moment? You know, is, is, it, is it America? Uh, is is America become your your God? We've got to be careful with that. No matter what side you're on, that we can be so pulled in like the Sadducee and not see the line of where our faith ends and begins. So when talking about the Sadducee, you see that you see everything that Jesus is talking about. That we've got to be careful not to compromise our faith, and I can't. Uh, overstate that and, and, and you see the language that Jesus uses for people who play too close to the line. And I think the same, like I mentioned, you got to be careful that you're not playing close to the line where it is, it is a place where 
you've gotten so deep into what you believe and, and causes and whatever they are that that you've really transferred your your lordship over to whatever that thing is. And we've got to be clear that Jesus is Lord, not anything else. Uh, and so, again, that's for that group that find themselves in, in that part. And the last part we're going to talk about is the Pharisee. And so, the Pharisee is, again, we, we talk Ray is kind of in that, but not kind of like, the only thing she is is that she's devoted to the Jedi text, which Pharisees were devoted to the Torah, and all, everything surrounded it, all the, the, the oral Torah, all of it, they were hardcore in it. And so what we see that Jesus speaks to the Pharisees, again, remember, the Pharisees are the ones who were people of the book, um, committed to the book, didn't blame Rome for, for their situation and, and what was going on. In fact, they were like, we need to focus on ourselves. Um, we need to be right in order for God to bless us and, and in fact, put pressure on those who were the sinners, quote unquote, uh, air quotes, um, that was they were the prime reason of why we're at, we're, we're rats because these sinners... And so Jesus is speaking directly to to that group, and you find yourself in that group, and I would describe that group as someone who is self-righteous about your, your, your Christianity and your faith, about what you're doing, and you're not, you're not the zealot, you're not out there going crazy and trying to, to burn down America, um, and, and you're not doing all that, and you judge them for that, or you judge the scene who, who wants to leave uh, uh, America and not deal and stay and work work it out. And then you judge the Sadducee and you're like, you know, you are too wrapped up in the politics. You are too wrapped up into uh, these identity politics and tribalism and all that stuff. And, and look at you. Look how far gone you are. You're in bed with that stuff. You're adulterous uh, with your faith. And, and, and look at us. We need to be about God's mission. We need to be about the, the book. And then you look down on those who are in sin and all those groups who are part of those people there in those, those groups. Well, Jesus has something for you. And now again, you may see, and, and it's a lot right with the Pharisees. Like I said, Jesus came out of the group of the Pharisees. And you may see there's a lot of, of, of like, hey, I'm doing what I need to do. And I would say, yes, you are to an extent. That yes, Jesus wants us to be about the mission. Yes, Jesus wants us to focus on uh, on what He wants in His Word, and we need to we need to focus on that. And we need to get right ourselves. Right? We need to take the plank out of our own eye, so to speak. That Matthew seven, the next couple chapters, talks about uh, uh, one through four. But in Matthew chapter five, I believe that Jesus is speaking to the Pharisee when He's talking about this verses three through ten, and He's talking about the Beatitudes. And again, all all this in the Sermon on the Mount is showing. What Jesus, what really, what God's expectation is for the the citizen of His kingdom, for for the 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 person who who has citizenship in this new kingdom, right? You know, every every country has their expectations of citizenship, whether America or outside of America, or, or, or you know, even in ancient times, Rome has their expectations of citizenship with to be a citizen of their nation, of their country. And so, God is setting the standard and through Jesus' teachings here of what He expects, and He's speaking directly to the Pharisee in this. Uh, particular uh, passages um, of verses 3 through 10 uh, of Matthew 5, and it reads, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the mo- uh, those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit th- 
inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry, for they, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be fulfilled. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are uh, will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I believe that that Jesus is speaking directly to them because he's telling them, this is, don't get caught up in your own self-righteousness. And I know that you need to be a people of the book. And that's what God wants. But in so doing, when you're self-righteous, you are out of touch and you are disconnected and you separate yourselves from people. And, and, and you are just as at fault as the scene or the Sadducee or the zealot because you're self-righteous. And Jesus talks about them all the time. That's why I believe he's so hard on this group, one, because he comes out of this group, and that this is the most, can be the potentially the most hypocritical. It's because you're proud, you prided yourselves on being um, the people of the book, and, and you should be the most close to God, but you're not because you're self-righteous. And he just, he just, chops them down verse by verse in the Beatitudes. You need to be poor in spirit. You need to mourn for those. You need to be meek and humble. You need to hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? Not that you've already attained it. Not that it's, 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 you know, given to you. You need to work for it, right? It's almost like that saying of getting a driver's license, right? Driving is a privilege, not a right. And they believe that the self-righteous is a right for them. And he says, no, you need a thirst and hunger for it. Like, you're always trying to attain it. You need to be merciful. You need to be pure in heart. You need to be peacemakers. You need to, uh, you know, those who persecute you, uh, um, blessed if you're persecuted because of your righteousness in a good way, right? That to causing peace, being pure, showing mercy for those who sin, that's everything that the Pharisee needed to hear. Because even though the outward uh, actions seemed to be on par, it was all about the heart with the Pharisee. They were doing everything right that God desired. In fact, Jesus says, your righteousness surpassed the Pharisees. He used them as examples. They were, they were on track out of any other group, but what they lacked was the heart out of any of, the, of those in the group. And, and I believe if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, uh, I'm, I'm being Christian, more Christian than all these other people out here, and I'm, and I'm doing what God wants me to do, he's like, hey, change your heart, because no one's going to follow you, and you'll find yourself just as, as, as on the outside looking in, just as, as, as far from God like the others, and, and, th- and this is where it gets dangerous because as a Pharisee, you won't even see it because you're blinded by your own self-righteousness because you think you're doing what is right. Okay, we have got to be careful of those things. And so lastly, we'll end here and talk about uh, personal uh, revelation. And again, and, and I hope this is helpful for you as it was for me as I watched the movie and it drove me for deeper teaching to learn more about um, the different viewpoints and worldview of the Jews and because of the history and, and, and oppression that they felt from the Greeks under Antiochus and it led to Roman rule and Hellenism and them fighting against that and, and, and trying to preserve what God wanted them to. And, and, and all of that and, and studying all that led me to my own personal revelation where the, the group that I side with the most is, is, is between the zealots and, and the Pharisees of, of me 
part of me like we need to change it all and and and, and take it you know by force uh and then the part of me is like no we need to focus on what we need to do as christians and i kind of worried myself but as i thought about that side of me more so the zealot i was really convicted because uh, i listened to a great sermon from uh, tim keller and i'll put that in in the uh, show notes in the description um but he talked a lot about um the interaction that Jesus had um, going to the cross and being on trial with Pilate and and Barabbas, how Barabbas was seen as that revolutionary, that that zealot, so to speak, being released um, in turn for Jesus. When when Pilate says, "Hey, um, who should I who should I crucify? Is it Jesus who calls himself the Messiah, or or is it uh, is it Barabbas? You know, this guy who who." tried to, uh, you know, a terrorist, so to speak. I mean, this guy is a zealot. Um, he tried to, you know, um, he's doing, he's murdering people, you know, it's, it's, it's a, um, or not murdering people, but, but causing extreme violence. And so, who should I release to you? And the people are like, you know, let's crucify Jesus, right? Or the crowd was like, let's, Jesus is the one to crucify, release Barabbas. And, 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 and Pilate's mind as a, as a Roman uh, representative, he's like, this is strange. I and mean, this, Person is clearly causing violence, and the only thing this guy has done is 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 set some really weird notions that he is king and stuff like that. That doesn't matter. This guy's actually killing people, right, or, or, or causing violence that 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 is hurting others. And so, but what was cool about listening to this sermon from Tim Keller, it sparked this idea of personal revelation. Even when I watched um, the Last Jedi, and, and particularly connecting with Kylo, I thought like, wow, like, like being that that zealot and pushing for that extreme um uh change to the point of causing harm or or burning it all down that is not long lasting and and the point that Keller made is that the the Jews were were gladly to um um to release Barabbas versus Jesus because to them Barabbas was going to be in jail again. That that violence, inciting violence, and had that behavior and that mindset isn't long lasting. Oh, he'll be in jail again. We we will catch him again in some way because his ex, ex, his actions are so extreme. But Jesus, that ideology, that viewpoint, that those teachings and the way he teaches, that thing seeps in. You'll never get rid of it. That thing goes you'll never get rid of it and that convicted me because i can look out and i can see and again wherever you're your side on in terms of what's going on in our world um there's a part of me and 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 if you don't know i'm a person of color and there's a part of me feeling a lot feeling a lot from my own past experiences um feeling a lot now and and different things and 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 i have mixed emotions on all all different spectrums but because of the way i've been raised and so there is this part like, man, we need to change, extreme change, you know. But I thought like, no, like it's going to be through Jesus and it's going to be through this um, way of of just this nagging, um, a constant uh, um, applying and, and serving and using his teachings and, and preaching through my life and my actions and, and my servitude and and being there and and, and 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 plugging into these very communities that that feel uh, disenfranchised and being there to serve on the front lines and educating and and working and laying down my life that way for long lasting because i'm no prophet but i can tell you the protests will end at some point um the the 
fires or the violence will end at some point, you know, it, it's not going to be long lasting. And, 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 and even if the things that people are fighting for, whether it's change with the police department or change with the government or change with, with things that are happening in the White House, even when you get that, does it mean that we really changed, right? Are you really going to stamp out all of it, you know, uh, that, that exists out there? The evil, are you going to completely stamp it out? You know, Martin Luther King said, to, said, said a, there's a quote that I heard from a, an interview that he had gave that says, you can't legislate the heart. And it's so true. No matter what we do, no matter what we push forward, it's not going to change the heart. Now, laws in place, he also mentioned this, laws in place will help restrict evil, and that's good, and we need to fight for those things. But at the end of the day, are we going to legislate the heart? And the only person that has a chance of doing that is going to be Jesus and his teachings. And, and I want to go the way of, that we find our character Ray in is that she's like, there is hope. We need to take what's been done in the past. We need to not all burn it down. We need to continue to hold to it, um, the, the things that are good about it. And there is hope in all of it. Right, um, we don't need to compromise our faith, like the Sadducee, um, or try to keep a, a status quo that, uh, in my my personal opinion, um, was faulty to begin with. Right, and no matter where you you stand, like it's all an illusion when you when you really see the perspective of of God being sovereign, and He sets up uh, different things in place and allows different things to to exist. It's it's all Him and His sovereignty, and that we need to 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 make Him Lord of our lives. Um, it's not going to be through burning it down um, in that way. And it's not going to be ignoring and leaving uh, the country. Um, it's not going to be any of those things. Or even judging ourselves within our Christian community or people outside of it saying that, that it's your fault. Um, it's not going to be any of that. It is going to be seeing the hope in all of it that Jesus talks about. Seeing the hope of it and, and, and following His example and all these teachings that we see for us to make sure that we stamp out the sin in our own lives, uh, to make sure it is that we see that we are the salt of the earth, we are the light on the hill, to make sure that we see that to be meek and to be merciful, to be peacemakers, poor in spirit, humble, to see that it's not an eye for an eye in order to seek justice, but to go the extra mile when we are wrong, to love our enemies um, when we identify them. And that's the way of Jesus. And that was a personal revelation for me, is, is seeing that as, wow, I've, I've got to take my cue from, from Ray. And really, ultimately, Luke, because at the end of that movie, Luke got it. And when he returned at the end of the movie, he really embodied everything that I feel like Jesus was teaching. He defeated Kylo, but it wasn't through violence. It was through nonviolence. And, and it was through... The, the the most gangster of ways of nonviolence, you know? He 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 studied so deep into the force, he was able to tap in to to force project himself that, that no one has ever seen, and people had issues with that. I thought it was genius. Um, but he force project himself because he was so entrenched into what the 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 text taught about the ways we can use the force that he defeated him through through scripture, quote unquote, and and did something incredible that didn't require violence. He was able to not only talk sense somewhat into Kylo and enrage him, um, 
but able to defeat him at his own game and made him look foolish in doing it, at the same time allowing the resistance to escape and to to go and, and, and attempt to build uh, a, a resistance group that would later win the war. And I think that that's what's going to happen for us. It is that self-sacrifice that we see Luke do at the end of The Last Jedi. He gave everything he had to self-sacrifice. It wasn't for himself. It wasn't self-righteousness. He, he was the humble. He was the meek. He was the poor in spirit in that force projection. He didn't go through violence like the zealot because it was nonviolent. So he was, he was, he was an apparition, so to speak. Um, a, a force ghost, if you will, even though, again, technically it wasn't that. Um, in terms of defeating Kylo in a, in a lightsaber battle that, that even fans wanted to see. It wasn't through that. And it wasn't through compromise um, that, that, that he was there. It wasn't like he was like, hey, well, you get a little bit of this, a little bit of column A, a little column B, we can kind of be friends. He still stood his ground, um, but, had, but had different um, clear lines in his conviction about what needed to happen. He regained his faith in all of it. Um, in the end, and was inspired uh, to to see that the force is greater than that, and that there there is a need, and so he brought all that stuff from his past, and to close out others in terms of his his connection and love for his sister Leia when he gave her the dice that uh, was in that they believe in within Millennium Falcon, which is connection to to Han and all of that. It was amazing to see all that. And again, am I stretching this all of this? Probably. Yeah. Am I taking more than, than, than is presented? Probably. But I hope you get what I am communicating and, and, and how you can draw from the movies that we watch, that we know and love, that I, I believe are, are parables of the life experiences that we go through and help, help us have certain uh, uh, incredible uh, moments of clarity from Scripture and, and what Jesus taught, but also have clarity for ourselves and who we want to be. And, and, and that, in so doing, makes you, if you're a Christian, a better Christian. And if you're not a Christian, want to be one and say like, wow, like that makes sense to me and it helps me in my faith or helps me regain or develop a faith that I didn't think I had. So thank you for being with us. If you want to find out more about uh, my ministry, you can click on, again, the social, uh, click on the links below uh, that are in the description. Check out my lessons and sermons and stuff on my website uh, and all of that uh, for your enjoyment. Thanks again for joining Movie Ministry and listening to uh, uh, me and us on the on the podcast here, wherever, wherever you're at. Mainly all of us are in our homes, uh, but if you're working, um, then, then at, at your job, uh, on the break, to try to make sense of everything, um, you know, commuting, if you commute, wherever it is, I'm happy that you found us and, and you're listening, and I hope that you stick around and continue to support us by joining the conversation. Thank you.